welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beyer, founder of Intuitive Edge Coaching and creator of the Elemental Entrepreneurship Framework. I use the elements, earth, air, fire, water, and spirit as a lens for understanding business and life. As you begin to understand each element, you can become an alchemist, able to powerfully blend the elements to transmute, transform, and create mysteriously potent outcomes with ease, leaving the people around you wondering, how are they doing that? As we navigate the unique challenges and joys that come with being a creative entrepreneur or professional artist, the Elemental Entrepreneurship Framework provides a guide to help you understand yourself, cultivate balance, and alchemize your business for magical results. I'm glad you're here. I want to talk today about manifesting and hi. All right. I got my life together. Thank you for coming back. I want to talk about manifestation. So if you've been around my page for a minute, you might see, have seen me talking about the 90 day central movement manifestation challenge that is starting on October 1st. And I was nervous to come on here. I have been nervous for days to come on here and have this talk. And just before I came on, I pulled a card and the card that came out was, uh, what is already within you? And so I just have it in front of me and I am remembering that I know a lot about this shit and I can just trust that it's going to land where it's going to land. I want to just acknowledge first that the word manifestation is loaded and complex. It has become a cultural shorthand term, especially on the internet. We talk about manifestation, calling things in, law of attraction, point of attraction. Those words get thrown around and a lot of the people who use those words don't really understand them or where they come from or what the context is behind them or even like what the energetic or mechanical structures are behind them. And I think that it's really easy to get into like a prosperity gospel place when you're looking at this information online that can turn a lot of people off and a lot of the like new school of manifestation rhetoric, the memification of the concept of manifestation has a lot of tenets of white supremacist capitalism in them. And so it ends up being reduced down into a series of principles that would suggest that like, that systemic oppression doesn't exist and that everyone has the same ability to attract the same material results from their manifestation efforts and that's decidedly untrue right so I want to hold the space for the idea for the the fact that like a lot of people are initially like their gut reaction to hearing the word manifestation at this point especially coming from a white person who also talks about business is to shut down and turn off because they're like oh in a second they're going to say that the reason that I'm not seeing financial gain is that I'm not thinking positively enough, or I just don't want it enough. And like, that's not happening here. First of all, that's not happening here. The second is that the concepts that are the memeified version of manifestation doctrine that get passed around on the internet are appropriated and whitewashed versions of ideas and concepts and understanding spiritual understandings that have been around for a long, long time. They're rooted in Hinduism. They're also resonant in African traditional religions. And so 
the concepts that end up getting pulled down into these bite-sized ideas about attracting or what it means to make something manifest in the three-dimensional plane, um, they're actually part of a very large, old, um, nuanced understanding of the nature of the interaction between the physical and the unseen worlds. And these things are very complex and they are both and spaces and they are laws and concepts that take years to really understand and to implement into practice. You're not going to really fucking get it from a meme. And so I just want to start by saying like part of the reason that I get so nervous coming out and talking about this, besides the fact that I'm not a spiritual teacher and that's not like my main focus, these are practices that I use in my own life and have for many, many years. And sometimes when we have things that we just do, we forget that we actually have a lot of knowledge, a lot of um, understanding of things to the degree that it resists being made into bite-sized, you know, quote unquote content for the internet mill. Manifestation is complex. People's relationship with the word is complex and the topic matter, like the subject matter itself is complex. And I am always one to hold, to widen the space for the complexity, right? Like let's expand the space for the complexity. So those are all my disclaimers about why I've been scared to talk about this. I'm just like, oh, so many bear traps. Um, so if you have any thoughts about that in the chat, please throw them out. Let me know if this makes sense. What I really want to try to hone in on today, the very narrow area of this topic I want to try to hone in on today is about the doctrine of positive thinking around manifestation rhetoric. So a lot of people's first interaction with the idea of manifesting, right, is that thoughts become things, that the quality of our thoughts creates the quality of our life, that if we can keep our thoughts positive and state things in the positive and focus on the positive and think about things positively, that that will result in certain outcomes. And positive thinking is awesome. I'm a fan. I have actually like become a person who thinks positively. I did not start that way. It's not uh, how I was raised. It's something that I trained myself into through neuroplasticity. You can train your brain and retrain your brain. If the way that your thought patterns are wiring and firing don't work for you, that's something that you can change. And positive thinking, I can say for sure, is decidedly more beneficial and helpful in my life than negative thinking, 100%. And also, it's not what we manifest from. One of the problems with the positive thinking rhetoric around manifestation is that it is very easy to get into what I already consider is like a cultural leaning toward toxic positivity and spiritual bypassing, right? So telling yourself to just think positive about things that hurt you is gaslighty and not helpful. There are things that hurt. There are things that that there's no positive way to frame. There are things that deserve your full attention and trying to like rush to think positive or find the silver lining or look at the bright side or talk yourself out of emotions that may not be the funnest emotions to experience doesn't help us create what we want in our lives. It actually holds us in a stuck pattern. 
And it encourages us sometimes to not look deeply at our pain and to not look deeply at our wounds and to not look deeply at our trauma responses. And those are actually the things that we need to be tending to and healing if we want to create change in our lives. And manifestation in a lot of ways and magic to me, or even prayer, whatever you want to call it, I believe they're all a metaphor for a similar thing. They are about creating change in our lives, like no more, no less. There are things that we want to change. There are things that we want to experience. There are levels of success that we want to achieve. There are relationships that we want to have. There are types of friendships that we want. There are financial things that we want. We might want to live somewhere different. We might want a better car, right? We all want things. That's a normal part of the three-dimensional human experience. And Many of us believe that our interactions with the unseen realms can support us in the creation of those things, that we are not doing this alone. And whatever your spiritual beliefs are, whatever you call that unseen force that helps you change your life, to me, it's all the same thing. I like, I am genuinely, as someone who's a student of religious and cultural anthropology, We're all so much more similar than we are different when we get down to the basic tenets of these things. We're taught to separate by label, but like prayer and petition and manifestation are not necessarily different things. We might all be talking to the same alien child who has us in an ant farm on a shelf from a project he got a C on in fifth grade. That's always what I think we are. Have I gotten too in the weeds already? Hope not. All right. So positive thinking can encourage us to bypass looking at our wounds, looking at our pain. And I think that this comes down to like a fundamental misunderstanding and fear culturally that we have about what emotions are. Like what is the role of emotions? I know I can't go too long in any conversation without blaming things on white supremacy or capitalism or patriarchy, but here we are. We are taught to value logic over emotions. We're taught to value thinking over feeling. We're taught to value the mind over the body. We're taught that our emotions and our bodies are unreliable, that they're dangerous, that they will lead us astray, that if we allow ourselves to feel our feelings or express our feelings, that everyone will just be like a mess and completely erratic, that if we were to follow our bodies signs and signals that everybody would just be acting completely chaotic all the time. We are trained out of self-trust. And in a lot of ways, I think we're trained out of self-trust so that that trust can be replaced with um, the worship of a male God. Just saying, right, we shouldn't trust ourselves. We shouldn't trust our bodies. We should only trust logic. We should only trust evidence. And we should put all of our faith into a power that's outside of ourselves and no longer understand our internal divinity, right? There's that, our own power as creators, that we are God stuff. Our emotions are signals, signs and signals pointing us in the direction of what is good for us of what feels right in our lives, of what brings us joy. That's all they are, right? So the quote unquote negative emotions, the things that we spend a lot of time trying to avoid or not look at or numb or suppress or run away from or sweep under the rug or spiritually bypass or gloss over with toxic positivity, 
those quote unquote negative emotions, those unpleasant feelings are there to point us in the direction of what we actually want, right? So in the same way that the nerve endings in our skin are designed to alert us through pain to something that's dangerous, right? Oh, that's too hot. Move your hand. That's sharp. Pull your foot back. That's why it's actually really dangerous. If you've ever known anyone who has a nerve condition where they don't feel pain, it's very, very dangerous. You can hurt yourself really badly. You can burn yourself or you can like damage your feet, right? If you don't have nerve endings that send the signal to your brain, pull back, this could hurt me. Um, We need those. We need pain, physical pain, because it serves as an alert function for danger. (laughs) That's how we stay alive. The same thing is true with our emotions. Our emotions serve as an alert system to let us know that something isn't working. This relationship isn't for you. This person isn't for you. This job isn't for you. This friendship isn't for you. There's something going on that is not working. It's out of alignment with what you desire, with who you know yourself to be, with your own needs, with your wants, with your boundaries. Those emotions, those challenging emotions, the things that are not the most fun to feel are where all of the fucking good shit is. All of the information about where we should go, changes we should make, what to say yes and no to. It doesn't exist in our positive thinking. It exists in us paying attention to those challenging emotions. Why do I feel nauseous every time I get in the car to go to this place? That's my body. My body's telling me. Something's wrong. Why do I, my, why do my, why does my neck and shoulders feel tense whenever this person is around? I don't have a logical reason. I can't intellectually explain, but my body knows something is off. So also when we're talking about manifestation, you may have heard people talk about energy, right? Or vibe. And again, I don't know why I feel the need to talk to the fact that people get turned off by these words, but I think that people get turned off by these words because they get memified, they get overused, they get misused to the point that they lose their, their grit, their depth, their helpfulness. And so there's like some, some reclaiming of these words that I want to do and say, no, this is a valuable term. It's a valuable concept. We want to look at these things. We need these things, right? So we live in an energetic universe. We live in an energetic field (laughs) with other beings. Okay. So what does that mean? I'm going to give a very straightforward, very simple example. On Monday, I went to my favorite coffee shop. I had headphones in. I was having a good ass morning. I walk in the door and within, I would say one, maybe 1.5 seconds. I was completely aware without having heard anything that what I had just walked into in the coffee shop was that the woman standing at the counter had just had a verbal altercation with the chick at the register and had been asked to leave. How did I know that? How did I know that? I just walked in. How did I know? How did I, I had headphones in. I didn't hear them say anything. I walked into this moment of body language tension between the two of them. And I saw the chick at the register, like hold her smile, her polite customer service smile and her firm posture as the woman walked away and went to go get her stuff. 
And I could see the body language of the chick who'd been asked to leave and the way that she got her stuff. And then I could feel that thing where like all of the other people in the room were like politely trying to mind their own business and act like they didn't just hear whatever the argument had been. Like clearly someone had probably raised their voice. I could tell all of that in one second. No one had to tell me anything. How did I know that? How did I know that? It's not a gift, right? That's not clairsentience, though I do have a lot of that. It's not claircognizance, though I also have a lot of that. It's just fucking body language. It's the vibe. It is the energy of the room. We are finally attuned as mammals to sense danger. If you've had a lot of trauma in your upbringing, if you've had a lot of chaos in your childhood, you are even more finely attuned to those types of situations. And you know exactly what the fuck just happened without anyone having to tell you anything. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about energy, when I'm talking about how we live in an energetic universe, when I'm talking about vibe, when we say something like the Martha Graham quote, the body never lies. I can tell from the bodies of the people in the room and the feeling of the tension in the air what had just transpired without having had to witness it. We are constantly processing far more information than we can articulate, than our logical minds can explain. We are picking up on other people's feelings. We are picking up on their body language. We're picking up on tone of voice. We're picking up on eye contact. We understand a whole hell of a lot more than we have evidence for. We understand all that because we're emotional and energetic beings. We're just mammals, right? We like to think that we're very fancy, but we have the same mammalian alerts to physical danger through our nervous system that every other mammal on the planet has. We are, because we are finely attuned to danger, right? To the idea that something is off. We're also finely attuned to pleasure. We're finely attuned to ease. We're finely attuned to comfort. We know what it feels like to be in a situation where the vibe is good, where we walk into a room and we feel like, I'm in the right place. These are my people. I feel safe here. I feel comfortable here. I can relax here. I can be myself here. I can speak the way that I speak at home here. There's an energy to the emotional quality of safety, of joy, of comfort, of ease, in the same way that there's an energy and an emotional quality of tension, of chaos, of disruption, of danger, of violence. And we know what those things are without needing to be told or without knowing how we know. We don't need to know how we know in order to know, you know? Again, you could call this a lot of different things. I call it energy. I call it vibe. You could call it a lot of scientific terms if you wanted to. But I think it's all a metaphor for the same phenomenon. I also think magic is just science we don't understand yet. So I don't need to have a scientific explanation for all of the things that I know I experience in order to know that I experience them and that those experiences are real, valid, valuable, and guide my decision-making. That's okay with me. And I choose to label it as spirit. I choose to label it as magic. 
um, because living with magic brings more joy to my life. Talked a little bit about why positive thinking is not the thing and emotions are more the thing. So let me tie that back into manifestation. You may have heard the formula for manifestation a la Abraham Hicks as being ask, believe, receive. And that's like a very, it's like a yes and for sitting in the complexity. Asking is challenging because in order to ask, most of us have to work through a lot of stuff about desire. Am I allowed to ask for what I want? Can I ask for the whole thing or is that too much? Is it too outlandish? Am I, are my needs too big? Am I being unrealistic? Uh, is it impractical? Am I allowed to have that? Am I worthy of it? That's all the stuff that's under the sub <laughs> heading of ask, right? It should be simple to ask. It should be like we walk into a restaurant, we look at the menu and we're like, I will take the kale Caesar salad, please and thank you. But it's really more like we walk into a restaurant and we look at the menu and we're like, oh, I really want the kale Caesar salad, but I don't think they're going to give it to me. I don't know if I'm really allowed to have that. So maybe I'll just ask for like a small garden salad because I don't really know that if I'm going to be allowed to have the thing that I really want or like, you know, maybe I won't get it or, you know, I ordered a steak, but they brought me a burger. So I guess I'll just eat the burger because like maybe they know better than I know about what it is that I want. No, no, <laughs> right. But that's what most of us do. We start talking ourselves out of the things that we want before we've even had a chance to claim that we want them. Most of us will be like, oh, I want a thriving business where I'm making six figures a year and can comfortably provide for myself and my family. But I feel like that's too big an ask or I don't know how I'm going to do that. So before I can even get the request out, I start saying, but I'd settle for this, but I would take less. But if I could just get 50K, that would be good enough. If I could just have my business as a side hustle to my job, that would be enough. If I could just, you know, start, I, I understand that it's going to take me years and I'm going to have to start small. And I accept that we start shrinking ourselves to match our best knowledge, our best thinking versus stepping into the full emotional quality of the ask. So that's thing one in manifestation to me is that like, we have to start getting really fucking comfortable owning our desires, which is where we have usually a lot of shadow work to do. We have a lot of self-worth work to do. We have a lot of subconscious reprogramming to do. We have probably a lot of ancestral healing to do to even step into just asking for what the fuck we want. So it's not as simple as just like, first you ask, it's like, first you ask, and then you notice all of the things inside you that bubble up and say, wait, I can't have that when you ask, right? So that's the other problem with the positive thinking, not being the whole story is if we're not willing to look at the emotions, if we're not willing to do the shadow work that's attached to desire, we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to get anywhere because saying that you want something while everything in your body goes the other direction and says, but I don't believe I can have it. It's like that, um, that real format that's going around right now, the dun, 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 wah, wah. you know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, I, I really want thriving business, but I don't believe that I can have it. I really want a loving, powerful, romantic relationship, but I don't feel like I'm worthy of love, right? Like you can't hold both of those frequencies at the same time. The negative one is actually going to be the one that wins. It has more momentum. It's more powerful. You've probably been putting energy behind it for a lot longer. So phase one of our manifestation work 
as we're starting to learn how to attract is really about paying more attention to our feelings, getting more tapped into our body, paying more attention to what comes up inside ourselves when we think about the thing that we want, which means we have to get more in touch with our bodies. We have to, because that's where our emotions live. And if we've been trapped in positive thinking being the answer and the idea that our words are spells, which I believe they are, and I do think you should be careful about the way that you speak things over your life, But if you don't allow yourself to voice the doubt, the fear, if you don't allow yourself to even say, damn, I do want this thing. I really do. And I notice that when I say that I want it, I get scared. What is the fear? When I say that I want this, I feel anxious. Why do I feel anxious? We have to pair our awareness of what we're thinking and saying with how those thoughts um, feel in our bodies and bring more attention to the feelings. Because you can be saying one thing and feeling another, and we're going to be emanating from that feeling place. And that's what's going to be affecting our relationships, how people respond to us, the actions that we take, the way that we show up. All of that is coming from the feeling place not from the like layer of positive thinking or positive mantra we've smeared on top. So the next thing in that ask, believe, receive formula, the believing part, right? That's that shadow work stuff. We have to believe that we're allowed to have the thing we're asking for. We have to believe that it's possible for us. That's, there's usually a shit ton of work to do in there in believing that it's possible for us to have it, especially if no one in your family has ever had it. If no one you've ever known in person has had it, if none of the people in your friend circle have it, there's going to be some work that you have to do to believe that you can have it. And then there's going to have to be the work that you do for grieving the fact that a lot of the relationships you have with people who don't have that shit are going to end because those people won't come with you, which I've talked about a lot on here. I'm not going to go too far into that, but like there's work to do in there too. There's emotions in leveling up that are about grief and loss, because there will be people in our lives, sometimes very close people who will not cheer for us uh, or who won't be able to come with us or who won't be able to be happy for us. And that's really hard, right? So if we are in our positive thinking, toxic positivity, spiritual bypassing gloss over it all, we won't be able to pinpoint that one of the reasons that we're holding ourselves back from going after the things that we want is because we have all of this like scarcity, fear, grief, and lack or sadness around who won't come with us when we change. There's work to do in there. And then there's receiving, right? Ask, believe, receive. The receivership part. A lot of us really struggle there. And I don't think that it's coincidental that that's the feminine energy part. And a lot of us really struggle there. Taking your hands off of it, not fussing over it, believing that something can come even when we're not the one driving it. If you have not experienced a lot of giving and caretaking in your life, if you've always been the person who you're like, I, I, I'm the one who does the things. I'm the one who makes it happen. No one is going to take care of me but me. It can be really hard to start to shift into a practice of trusting that your needs will be met, trusting that you'll be cared for, trusting that stuff can happen even if you're not the person doing the stuff. 
that takes some work too. That takes some practice. It takes some healing. You might notice that you get a lot of anxiety in the receivership phase, in the part where you're just supposed to chill and let things happen. That might create a lot of anxiety for you. You might have a lot of broken trust around the idea or the experience that anyone will do anything for you, including God or the universe or spirit. Because you're used to feeling like if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. Like if you're not driving it, it's not going to happen. And that would also mean that like everything you can experience in life is limited to your knowledge and your abilities, right? If I don't know how to make this happen, it's not going to get done. It's not going to happen. There is no way. As opposed to shifting into the the spaciousness of like, I don't have to know how it's going to happen to believe that it's going to happen, to be open to the outcome, which then opens me up to asking, which then opens me up to help. Right. And when I'm talking about receiving, that's on the material plane and the spiritual plane, right? Like we might not be open to accepting help from others. We not may not ever ask for help from others or knowledge from others. We may not invest in what we need for ourselves, right? That's part of receiving too, is like, oh, I need help with this and I'm gonna make an investment in myself to go get someone to teach it to me because I deserve the next step in this. I deserve to know, I deserve to learn. If my current skill level or knowledge base doesn't let me know how I'm gonna get the thing, I, I can go out and get it and I deserve to invest in myself in that way. That's us like rising up to meet the energy of the thing that we want, believing that we deserve kindness, that we deserve love, that we deserve compliments and being able to receive those things when they show up. Because a lot of times people are like, oh, I just wish someone would praise me. But then when someone gives you a compliment, you're like, no, I'm not. I'm not. No, don't say that. It was it wasn't me. It was you. No, like, don't tell me I'm pretty. Like, I can't. Oh, no, it's, you know, whatever. We shut down. People trying to give us usually the very things that we think that we want the most, right? The things that we think we're lacking. People may be trying to give us those things and we're not allowing ourselves to receive them because we're stuck in a story that says that no one ever gives us those things or that we don't really deserve them yet and that we can't deserve them until we do more work, learn more stuff, heal more, become better people. And then we will allow ourselves to accept compliments and accept help. It's all a fucking mess. And all of that inner mess is underneath the shit we're trying to quote unquote call in underneath our manifestations. The reason that I use movement in my spiritual practices and in my manifestation practices, the reason I use movement is because attuning myself to recognizing the emotional qualities in my body of what feels good to me. Where am I holding tension? Where am I holding tightness? Where am I holding discomfort? How do I consciously let that go? How do I bring awareness to the parts of myself that maybe I've shoved down or turned off or shut off or told myself I can't pay attention to? Movement is one of the easiest, fastest ways for me to get in. It's one of the direct plugs I have to getting in to myself and starting to pay attention. And until I can pay attention, until I can articulate, until I can feel what's happening, 
I don't stand a chance for being able to shift it. And once I can shift it, then I can start to see some change, some movement happening around my availability to receive the things that I want. Some of this is nervous system healing. Some of it is about reprogramming limited beliefs. You may have heard people talk in manifestation and stuff about like sitting in your manifestation, right? Or acting as if, right? Oh, you want the car. So you go test drive the car. You visualize yourself driving the car. You um, like picture what it's going to be like when you are driving the car down the highway, you go rent the car so you can sit in it, right? Like that is a way of experiencing what it will be like when you have the thing you want. That is a way. And it's a good way. I'm all for it. Another way you can practice experiencing the thing you want is by getting yourself into the feeling state of what you think you're going to feel like when you have the thing you want. So at the beginning, I was saying that um, manifestation, like that positive thinking is not the whole story. And I've said that you can be thinking one thing or saying one thing and feeling another and not be aware that you're feeling another because you're not tapped into your body because you're not habitually tuning into your feelings, right? So let me give an example of that. We're just going to do a little energetic fine tuning. And if you're in the chat, I want you to let me know if you can feel this. So I want to invite you to join me in this. Ashley said, this absolutely makes sense. Hashtag attaccurate. <laughs> attaccurate is amazing. Okay, I'm so glad. All right, a little energetic fine tuning. I want you to imagine you have a financial goal. Right. And say that financial goal is I, I want to make $10,000 this month. And you're saying it, I want to make $10,000 this month. And then maybe you start saying it in the present tense positive, because that's what we get taught. I'm going to make $10,000 this month. I made $10,000 this month and I feel so good about it. I made $10,000 this month and I feel really excited. I feel so accomplished and proud of myself that I made $10,000 this month, right? $10,000, like I'm fixated on it. That's the goal. You can be saying and thinking that, but what do you feel when you say it? Because if what you feel when you say it is, oh shit, but I don't know how I'm going to do that. How am I going to do that? And you start to feel anxiety or doubt that it's possible. If you start to think about all the bills you won't be able to pay if you don't hit that goal and all of the bad things that could happen and you start to get fearful or anxious about what will happen if that goal is not met. And everything in your body is like, you know, for me, I experienced that as like throat, heart, gut, tension, tingling, clenching. Oh no, what if I don't reach my financial goals? What if I can't pay my bills? What if this doesn't work for me? So you're saying, I made $10,000 this month. I know I did. I'm saying the mantra. I'm speaking it into existence. I am thinking the thought. I made $10,000 this month. It happened. It's for sure. But everything in my body is, I don't know if I'm going to, and I'm scared. Do you see how those two vibrations, those are two separate things that you're holding at once. And the feeling state is more powerful. Now that feeling state, whether I want it to be or not, because this is how we function is going to then determine how I show up this month, right? I'm saying I made $10,000 in my body. I'm like, but I don't know how, and I'm scared. So maybe what that's going to result in, because we don't make our best decisions from fear is me being erratic is me having an energy of like franticness in my efforts. 
maybe what it's going to result in if I'm a little bit more hypo than hyper is avoidance and me being like, oh, I, I yeah, I'm saying the mantra, I'm going to make $10,000 this month, but I feel really anxious and shut down around that number. And I don't know how it's going to happen. And my response to that anxious feeling is to totally shut down and just like binge Netflix and do nothing because I'm now overwhelmed by my own goal. Or maybe it will result in you showing up if you have your own business to selling with like a desperate energy that without even, again, that thing of walking into a room and feeling a vibe without even knowing why they can tell people are like, Ooh, something feels like desperate and salesy in this person's energy. And I don't like it. So now I'm turned off by that and I'm moving away from it. That then will result in the thing that you're afraid of being more likely to be true. I'm scared that it won't work. So I'm acting from a place of fear that it won't work. Other people are picking up on my energy of fear, on my emotion of fear, and they don't like that energy. It doesn't feel good in their body. So they're kind of moving away from me. They're not buying, they're not joining. And so then I'm not seeing the results that I want. And so then I have created a self-fulfilling prophecy. We also experience this in relationships, right? We might be like, I am manifesting a like positive, healthy relationship, but everything in you is like, but I don't deserve love and I'm unworthy of that. And then we get into a relationship situation where we feel like fearful and doubtful that the other person is going to be there for us. And we like put them through weird tests and we like act from our fear and we like say slick shit to them, whatever it is, right? Like we are creating the outcome that we're afraid of because we're moving from our fear, not from our positive thinking or the thing that we're saying we want. A lot of times people are moving in a direction that's totally fucking opposite than what they think they're doing, than what they say they want. And some of that is because they're just not tapped into their body. They're not tapped into their emotional reality. So in this example, the money example, I'm trying to call in 10K. I want a 10K month. I made 10K this month, but my feeling state, I'm seeing likes, I'm glad. My feeling state is anxious, fear. Don't think I'm going to have it. Don't think it's going to happen. That's what I'm acting from. The subconscious driver of anxiety in my body and trying to quell the anxiety and the doubt in my body is what is determining the choices that I make and how I interact with others on the 3D plane, which is definitely affecting what's going to happen. I want you to notice how that feels different. Shake it out. Say this out loud from wherever you are. Even if you're sitting in a cafe right now, say it out loud. Just tell me how it feels. How does it feel to say all of my needs are met and I could get anything that I want? I have everything I need and I could get anything I want. I have everything I need, and I could get anything I want. Oof. What I notice in my body when I say those words is that my throat softens and relaxes. I can feel my shoulder blades drop down my back. I can feel my back spread. I breathe a little easier. I can feel my belly soften. I have everything I need and I could get anything I want. What does that feel like? What does it feel like? For me, holding the feeling of I have everything I need and I could get anything I want 
I know what that feels like. I've had it before in moments, in glimmers, right? I can picture it. I have other people who I can picture that live like that, that have that, and I know what their energy feels like. I have everything I need and I could get anything I want. That feels like ease to me. That feels like safety to me. It feels like being supported to me. And in reality, that financial goal that I have, it's not because I want that number. What I want is that feeling of I have everything that I need and I could get anything that I want. There is a way that I know how to practice sitting in the feeling of I have everything that I need and I could get anything that I want. And it's a movement practice. That's the fastest, easiest way that I know how to go hang out in that feeling. And for me, that movement practice for this particular example would probably be a restorative yoga practice, right? And so getting into that idea that I've been talking about recently about sensual, not necessarily being sexy. People think that when I say sensual, I'm inherently talking about sexiness and we can really dive into that. I don't want to get too into the weeds with that idea, but I want to highlight that we live in a puritanically based sex negative culture um, where we have lots of euphemisms for sexual and sexy because we're like taught that like if we say the word sexy, it's like not polite or it's going to be shocking, right? It's not, it's not an appropriate thing to say. So we've used the word sensual as a stand-in for sexy or sexual for so long that I think a lot of people have like a knee-jerk reaction that the word sensual means sexy or is like interchangeable with sexy. And that's not necessarily the case. When we're talking about being a sensual person or enjoying your sensual world, that's just talking about being tapped into your body, into the world of your senses. Do you allow yourself to enjoy your physicality? Do you allow yourself to enjoy breeze on your skin? Do you allow yourself to enjoy a temperature change? Do you allow yourself to enjoy taste on your tongue? Do you allow yourself to enjoy listening to nature or to music? Do you allow yourself to enjoy hugs, being touched, petting an animal, right? Are you fully tapped in to the richness of your senses or do you live entirely from your head and ignore what's going on in your body because you're treating your body and your emotions like that whole realm is unsafe for you to occupy. So when I'm saying I would make this, I have everything I need and I could get anything I want, the practice for that would be for me, the sensual practice of that space for me would be restorative yoga with lots of props, with blankets, right? Long socks, sweats, a big sweatshirt, a yoga mat, bolsters, blocks, blankets, getting myself into some supported posture where I'm totally held by props. I'm doing no muscular work to maintain it. Especially there's a pose that I'm picturing right now where you would go into like kind of a butterfly with a heart opener. So if I had my feet together with my knees flopped open and something holding my knees, so I'm not even straining in my inner thigh muscles and I'm laying back, but I have a bolster underneath my spine. So my heart is propped up a little bit. My head is propped up. My chest is open. Now I'm in a receiving position. 
Everything in my body is open. All of my chakras are exposed. My throat is exposed and soft. My chest is exposed. My belly is exposed. My genitals are exposed. My thighs are open and I'm held held and supported by these props. I'm doing no work to hold it, covered by a blanket, completely cozy. That to me is a place where I can feel like, oh, I have everything I need and I could get anything I want. I don't have to work for it. I'm not trying. I am just supported. I'm safe. I am held and supported in this position of openness, in this space of of wide open receiving, I am completely supported and held in this moment. And I can stay here for, you know, in restorative, you can hold a pose for up to 20 minutes. I can stay here for five to 20 minutes, just basking in this space of like, I am completely held and supported in my receiving in this moment. That is where we start to have a shortcut to healing and reprogramming the stuff that comes up in our body when we start thinking about what we want by putting our body, purposefully putting our body into a place that feels like the emotional quality of what we want, of what we're calling in, and practicing hanging out there, practicing staying there, practicing being with that feeling, practicing what it feels like to have that. I can cultivate that feeling for myself right now in the absence of the the specific thing that I'm saying I want, that, that I'm saying I'm calling in, which in this example is a financial thing. In the absence of that even being here, I can skip straight to what it feels like for me when I have that and practice it. Now from that place, I'm probably gonna feel relaxed, supported, creative, inspired. Like so much more of my intellectual and creative energy is now free for me to have ideas about ways that I could meet that goal. I'm going to be in a more relaxed, open, good mood when I show up to interact with the people in my life, which may open the pathway for that thing that I desire to be more likely to come in. My energy is more inviting, right? So in that first example of like, now I'm making decisions coming from fear and anxiety and people can pick up on that fear and anxiety and they're moving away from it because it doesn't feel good. I've been practicing putting myself into something that feels fucking good, confident, comfortable, relaxed, open. And I show up from there and people are like, oh, what's that vibe? That feels nice. I like it. I want to be around it. I want what she's having. I'll take two. How do I get that? How do I get that? How do I get that vibe that you have? That looks good. I want that. It's not coming from the money. People think it's coming from the money because that's the thing we can point to. She's like that because she has the money. No, she has the money because she would like that. They are all an energetic, right? They link together. And again, going back to the like the leap, right? People are like, wait, but how? Wait, but how? How does the energy correlate to the, the, the physical manifestation? How does that happen? I'm going to say again, magic is science we don't understand yet. I'm going to say again that we live in an energetic universe in this particular example. I don't want to get too into the weeds because I've talked about it before with the idea that money is a tool and abundance is an energy. 
Money is a physical manifestation of a part of abundance, but money itself is not abundance. But when we're operating from a place of abundance, it's much more easy for us to bring in cooperative components, people, opportunities, things that can generate abundance and abundance of relationships and abundance of help and abundance of support and abundance of sales in our business and abundance of people who want to help us with things because it just feels good to be around us. It feels good to be in the physical presence of someone who feels calm, held, supported, positive, creative. And that's not a result of spiritual bypassing. It's not a result of our thoughts. It's not a result of our mantras. It's a result of us doing the inner work to get so contained, so comfortable, so fully present, so expansive in our bodies, so attuned to our own energy that when we show up into a room with other people, they're like, damn, what is that? I like that. I want to be around it. I want to support it. I want to invest in it. I want some of it for myself. It is also self-fulfilling, right? When we change the things we look at, the things we look at change. So in the example I gave earlier of a relationship, right? So I feel like I want a healthy partnership, but the way that I'm showing up is fearful, distrustful that this other person is going to meet my need. If we're showing up from a place of like, I love you and I love me and I love life, and I love whatever is unfolding. And I see your positive qualities. I see the divinity in you and I honor the divinity in me. And if we don't stay together, that's okay. And doesn't diminish our love. I'm open to the unfolding of wherever this goes, right? I have boundaries, I have standards, and I trust myself to know when to move away from things that don't feel good and when to stay when things do. Um, But I'm not sabotaging the energy of the relationship with my fear and doubt. Instead, I'm showing up with my love, with my positivity, with my extension of goodwill. And the other person is like, damn, it feels so good to be around someone who shows up with love, positivity, and extension of goodwill. That makes me want to show up for them. That makes me want to spend more time with them. That makes me want to pull up. That makes me want to serve them. That makes me want to to honor them. Because they're showing me this positivity, this grace, this love, this support. And that feels so good that I just want to be around it. Again, that that result becomes self-fulfilling. But like all of the things that we do, right? As above, so below, as within, so without, everything is everything. That's going to happen as a result of us doing our inner work on cultivating what it feels like to be love, to be safe to bring safety with us into spaces. And for many of us who have been completely cut off from our body and our body knowing and tapping into our senses and feeling our feelings and shifting our feelings in a loving way without suppressing them, numbing them or, or washing over them, there are practices that we need to undertake in order to curate that from the inside out. And when we do, what's gonna happen in our lives is going to look miraculous to other people and it may even feel miraculous to us. It will be difficult to explain because it may not look on the outside like you've changed anything, but on the inside, you've changed everything about how you relate to yourself and how you relate to the world that you are perceiving, interpreting, and intuiting. I started out with saying that manifestation is complex and nuanced and is vast. And today I'm only talking about a little teeny tiny sliver of it. And so I feel like I've, I've done a lot and this is a good place to stop. 
But if this is like ringing some bells for you and you're like, oh shit, this makes sense. This is why my manifestations haven't, haven't been working. Or this is why I've been turned off by manifestation in the past. This is why like my mantras aren't helping. Um, I really want to just love and encourage and invite you to join me. <laughs> this is the motion that I feel for it in my new 90 day sensual movement manifestation challenge. It is not a dance-based practice necessarily. I have a lot of dancers in my network. I'm a dancer. There are a lot of dancers in it, but you don't need to be a dancer. The practice itself, the sensual movement manifestation practice that you're going to learn in the challenge, it doesn't require any particular type of movement. It doesn't require any type of level. It's really a a self-awareness and introspection-based practice that will take place in your body. So anybody with a body and desires can participate and your movement practice will look like whatever you want. There are three guided movement practices on offer in the 90 days, one a month, maybe more than that. If I get inspired that will live in the challenge Facebook group, you can use them or not. It doesn't matter. If you want to participate in the competitive part of the challenge, the challenge is not about what you manifest. The challenge is that you do the practice every day for 90 days and observe it. That's the challenge. So you can compete, quote unquote, or not. You can do it quietly. You can do it with the group, but for yourself without sharing your practice in the group. If you want to compete for prizes, because I know some of us are very motivated by that, there are prizes that are available at the end. So what will happen is if you do a practice every day and you share a video in the Facebook group every day, and that video can be a hyperlapse or it can be a short snippet. You're just proof of life. Hey, I did my practice today. There will be some, some prompts and some support. If you want to share some notes about your practice, but you don't have to, you're literally just going to throw up. Here's a hyperlapse of my practice or a short snippet of my practice today. Um, at the end, we're tallying it up. Everyone who has contributed all 90 days Um, will be entered into a drawing to win a prize. And there are five prizes available. They're all on the landing page with the description. So you can check that out. But again, you don't have to compete if competition is not your bag. You can do this all like completely for yourself. If you don't like sharing videos, you don't have to do that part. And you can still completely participate and be engaged and be involved. It's for everybody. You don't have to be a dancer. This is for anyone who wants to spend more time getting more in touch with their body, more in touch with their feelings and cultivating a spiritual, personal spiritual ritual practice that includes movement. It's $90 uh, or a little bit more. I think if you do a payment plan, just because I thought it was cute, if it was three months at 33.33. So you can join for 33.33. The link is in my bio to sign up. If you're hearing this on the podcast, the link is in the show notes. We're starting challenge day one, October 1st, and it ends December 30th. So we're doing this together, going inward for the, for the fall and the winter for this last quarter of the year and spending this time getting warm with ourselves, getting cozy with ourselves, getting intimate with ourselves and getting in alignment with owning, claiming, and being willing to share and express our real desires, no matter how big they may feel. I think it's going to be super fun. I'm really excited about it. If conversations like this are interesting to you, you should be there. If movement is interesting to you, you should be there. If the idea of using movement as a spiritual practice is interesting to you, you should be there. Uh, If stuff about traditional manifestation makes you a little squiggly, you should be there. Uh, One of the prizes is cash. And the cash that is a prize is a percentage of 
the enrollment registration of the people who join. So the more people who join, the larger that cash prize will be. Like if a thousand, if a hundred people sign up, I think it's like a hundred, yeah, if 111 people sign up, that cash prize becomes a thousand dollars, right? If 200 people sign up, that cash prize is like $1,800. So the more people sign up, the more cash is uh, available as a prize. So if you're there to manifest a little cash for Christmas, like over the new year, you might like manifest it in that way. And that would be cool. So yeah, come join, come play, come spend a few months tapping into your own body in both solitude and community. My favorite ambivert way to get down. If you have any questions about any of this, or you want to talk about it, or this was interesting for you or beneficial in any way, please leave a comment, DM me, talk to me about it. And then also just click that link, sign up for the challenge, get into the Facebook group. You will be held. You will be safe. You will be supported. Being nervous is good. Feeling confronted is good. If everything in this like rings alarm bells for you and you're like, ah, this scares me, you should probably join up. And uh, all right, that's all I got for you today. Okay, love you. Bye. That's our episode for today. Thank you as always for being here and for listening to the podcast. I know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, so many things you could be listening to. It is an honor that you choose to be here. Connect with me on Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching or join my Facebook group, Unstuck Group, to suggest topics or people that you'd like to hear me interview on this show. Have a great day.